blindness is such a horrible disease. I had a grandfather and an uncle who both suffered with blindness all of their lives. And I can tell you, my uncle, with whom I spent a tremendous amount of time, wanted every day to be able to see. Every time there was a news report that there was something being discovered of how for blind people to see, he wanted to investigate it. He wanted to know if there was some way that he could have an operation, a treatment, so he could be able to see like everyone else. John chapter 9, there's a man who's blind. Our Lord heals this man. You would think joy would prevail. This man's badgered. This man is mistreated because of the healing that he has experienced. This man became a believer in our Lord. For just a few minutes, if you will, open your Bibles to John chapter 9, if you don't have them already open there. John is presenting a picture of our Lord so that you and I can see him as he really was. And John emphasizes the miracles that Jesus performed was but one of many proofs that he was the Son of God. In fact, he presents people like Nicodemus who would say, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God because no one could do these signs except God is with him, John chapter 3. However, the miracles were not just for the good benevolent treatment of man. Yes, they did that. But they often provided a launching pad to be able to teach a very important lesson that people needed to hear and needed to understand whether it was the lame man of John chapter 5 or the blind man of John chapter 9, the Lord provided a great teaching with these events. What I find interesting is that the miracles often produced a controversy. The people with whom Jesus was dealing did not accept the miracles. In fact, not only did they not accept them, they refuted them and called Jesus everything from a demon all the way to a sinner. Well, the account of the man born blind provides some powerful lessons about Jesus. So here's what we want to study this morning. We want to look at verses 1 through 8 and see a man who is both blind and begging. I think it's valuable to see him as a person. Then we want to look at the healed and harassed man. Now he's healed by the Lord, but why are people harassing him? Why are they causing all of this controversy? And then finally, to see a man who was searching and seeking for the truth, and he found it. Let's begin by looking at verses 1 through 8 or 1 through 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. 
I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming in which no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the man with the clay. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who had previously seen him that was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. He said, I am he. Now, for just a few minutes, think about the man who was born blind. You just imagine yourself today. What if your sight was taken from you immediately, right now? I can tell you what would have to happen is you'd have to have someone help you to leave the building. As much as you maybe have felt like you know where you are and you've been this place so many times, someone would have to lead you by the hand or I can assure you would crash into one of the pews or one of the doors. You certainly couldn't drive yourself home. But you think about your occupation. What would you do to make a living? Some of you may say, well, I'm retired now. Well, that's all in good. What if you're 20 years old? What would you do? The truth is there's not much else you could do in these days was but to beg, to say, please, give me something, please help me. But you see, there's a problem that arose with regards to this man, and that was, who sinned that this man should be born blind? Because there was a popular misconception was that if you were suffering some sort of disease, some sort of illness, some sort of accident, it was because you did something. One of the best statements of it is found in the book of Job by one of Job's friends by the name of Eliphaz. And he said, remember now, whoever perished being innocent? Or where was the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen, those who plow in iniquity sow trouble reap the same. In other words, whatever you do, you're going to get it back. And if you're suffering trouble, it's because you sown trouble. You know, there's a lot of people who still believe that today. They believe that if you are suffering something bad in your life, maybe you found out you've got cancer, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you've experienced some sort of terrible thing in your life, and they say, well, I wonder what he did, I wonder what she did. Sometimes that is the case. Remember back in John chapter 5, he told the man who had been healed there, he said, go and sin no more, lest some worse thing come upon you. Or do you remember in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 30, as Paul talks about those people who are misusing the Lord's Supper, he said, for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Sometimes it is the case 
that if I do something wrong, that God allows me to suffer the consequences of my sin. But that's not always the case. Sometimes people are just in the wrong place at the wrong time and they happen to suffer an affliction that is awful. In Luke 13, Jesus talked about those Galileans who Pilate mixed their blood with their sacrifices. And Jesus asked the question, verse 2, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? All those Galileans must have been awful folks because look what Pilate did. And Jesus said, I tell you no. Or he talks about that 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell. By the way, we're going to talk about Siloam in just a moment. He said, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? And again, Jesus said, I tell you no. In fact, if you go to the book of Job, chapter 2, verse 3, verse 10, you find that Job was an upright man and blameless in God's sight. And yet he suffered. In fact, when Job suffered, it tells us in all this Job did not sin with his lips. Wow. You find out people who are good and upright, and sometimes they suffer some of the most difficult things in life. And so as the question is posed to Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents, Jesus' response was very direct and unequivocal. Neither sinned. You see, but that the word of God should be fulfilled. And I just saw a misspelled word. I really try to proofread this stuff, but uh, sometimes it doesn't come through. Let's talk about the place where this occurred. It says that Jesus was leaving the temple. In fact, you really have to pack up to the end of chapter uh, 7 to be able to appreciate this. They took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, so he passed by. Now, as Jesus passed by, and what that tells me is, is that Jesus is going out of one of the gates of the city of Jerusalem. He's leaving the temple. Most likely he's going uh, toward the Mount of Olives. It could be he was going out of one of the other ones, but it says he passed by. But that tells me why this man is here. You've got to imagine, if you have no other thing that you can do, you've got to beg, but you want to go beg where people are going to be entering, and I want to be there where they're going to enter the temple. You want to be right in front of people who are supposedly religious and hope that they will show some sort of compassion toward you. It's the reason why little girls sell their Girl Scout cookies in front of Walmart. People are going in to buy some food. They've got food. Sounds like a good idea. This man is at the gate, but what's interesting is the Lord comes out, there's dust Because if you look specifically at verse 6, when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Oh, isn't that interesting? You remember what man was made of? Genesis 2 verse 7. 
He's made of the dust of the ground. What was Jesus doing? Was he doing essentially what was taking place in creation? I don't know. I know what the Lord told him to do. He sent him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, by the way. The pool of Siloam was a very interesting place. In fact, if you read there in John 9 and verse 7, tells him to go and wash and he came back seeing. If you look at the city of Jerusalem, you'll see at the upper right-hand corner the Temple Mount area. But if you go at the very bottom, you'll notice that there is a pool there. There's a number 14 above it, if you can read that small. Or here's a model of the city, and you can see a likely pathway that this man might have taken going to the pool of Siloam. You've got to realize he can't walk that by himself. Someone's going to have to guide him. Someone's going to have to direct him. They found the pool of Siloam in 2003. They were digging a line for some of the uh, various pipelines going through Jerusalem, and they found the pool of Siloam. Very interesting pool that a man might be able to go down into. So there's no confusion about what happened, to whom it happened. So that leads us now to this man who is healed and harassed. Let's look at verses 9 through 12. Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like them. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus, made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Now, there's two questions that's going to dominate the discussion throughout the rest of John chapter 9. The first one is going to be a very simple one. Was the, this really the blind man who is now seeing? Is it really him? Is it somebody else that looks like him? Or is it somebody claiming to be him? We could spend a lot of time... But verse 9, the man settles the question. I am he. No doubt about that. The second question that was raised was very simple. How were you healed? What did he do to you? How did he heal you of this? In fact, verse 10, verse 15, verse 19, and verse 26 all repeat the same question. And uh, I'm going to, for time's sake, go through this. So there's no doubt about the blind man. He says, I am he, verse 9. But then you get down and the question is raised. Well, do you have any proof that you're him? They're going to find his parents. They're going to ask him, is this your son and was he born blind? And it says, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received this sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he then now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But now by what means he sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. Now, folks, you don't have to doubt about this. There's two or three things beyond dispute. 
Number one, this is the right man. Number two, he is now seeing, and somebody did that. This man was healed by a miracle. No other explanation. You don't have a man who was born blind is now seeing perfectly, except by a miracle. To do that, he complied with Jesus' instruction. Very plainly in verse 11, he said, A man named Jesus anointed my eyes. He said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So I went and washed and I received my sight. The question came a second time to this man. How did you receive your sight? He repeated it again, verse 15. Ask him again how he received his sight. He said, He put clay in my eyes, I washed and I see. You know, somebody asked you one time, that's understandable. Maybe they ask you a second time. Now, are you sure how that happened? Yeah, here's the way it happened. But look at verse 27. This question just comes over and over again to the point where the man gets exasperated with them. He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Somebody asks you a question, and you answer it. They ask you a second time, you answer it. They ask you a third time, you answer it. They ask you the fourth time, and say, is something wrong with you? Are you not listening? Are you not hearing what I'm saying to you? They're badgering this man. They're harassing this man. And they're charging that the man who healed him was a sinner. Look at verse 16 and then verses 24 and 25. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Verse 24, And again they called the man who was born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. Or give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Now this charge here is suggesting that Jesus is not the right man. But now when you get a little bit further, they look at the man who has now been healed and they're charging him with being deluded. You think about that for just a moment. Something is wrong with you. You've been healed. The man blind, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. Verse 28, they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as this fellow, we do not know where he is from. They're saying, you just don't know what's going on. They finally insult the blind man and cast him out. When you get to verse 34, they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us cast him out. Now, for just a moment, think with me. The disciples asked the question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? The Pharisees now, the enemies of Jesus, are saying, you are completely uh, born in sins. 
You got what you deserved. You see, they're going to insult this man and it says they cast him out. Ezekiel 18.20 says, A person doesn't suffer for the sins of their parents, nor do the parents suffer for the sins of their children. Now, when you get to verse 35 through 38, I want to focus now on the blind man and what he now sees. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. Now, folks, this blind man now not only sees physically, he sees more. Jesus has revealed himself. He believed to the point he has now seen the light. There's a problem with most people, though, that are in this audience to whom Jesus is speaking. They are spiritually blind. Because Jesus will pick up in verse 39 and go through verse 41 and he'll describe this. He'll say, For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind... You would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Some are blind and need help seeing. And for those people, Jesus is the light of the world. You may be a person who's been going through this world confused and deluded and unable to appreciate the right direction. Jesus came to provide light, guidance, Direction. But the second part of that is some are blind because they willfully closed their eyes. They don't want to see. They don't want to hear. They don't want to understand because they are not desirous of what they would see, hear, and understand. A quotation is going to come from Isaiah 6 verse 10. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Get over to John 15. Jesus said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. These enemies of Jesus can't say we didn't know. We didn't understand. And that's the reason why when they asked Jesus, are we blind? Jesus said, no, you're not blind. You see. And that's the reason why your sin remains. is because you know what you're doing. Well, you think about that this morning. How many of us here know what we're doing is wrong? 
We know we're living a sinful life. We know we're in opposition to the will of God. Our sin remains. Jesus was the great physician because he not only healed people's physical illnesses and uh, accidents and the kinds of things that afflict man, but the spiritual problems as well. The blind man ended up receiving sight in two different ways. He, got, he was able to see physically and he was able to see spiritually. Now for the invitation, I want to concentrate on what Jesus told the blind man to do. He told him to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam. He went and he washed and he came back seeing. For just a minute, does anyone believe that there was power in the water of the pool of Siloam? No. That water was from the Gihon Spring, just like it had always been. No one else who went down and washed in the pool of Siloam was healed of their maladies. What was special was what this man was told to do by our Lord, and he did it, and he received what the Lord promised to him. You and I are also commanded to go to the water. You and I also are commanded to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now folks, I don't think that needs to be explained other than to be obeyed. What if the blind man had said, I think other pools that may even be closer. Maybe the pool of Bethesda, which would have been right next to the temple. Maybe that's where I ought to go. Remember Naaman who said, Are not the rivers of Syria, Abana and Farpar, better than the Jordan? Maybe there's some other way. Maybe, Lord, I can just... Rinse some water on my... No, that's not what he told him to do. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, I want to encourage you to obey what the Lord just said in this passage we read. You come forward and you express your belief in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins... We'll immerse you in water, as Jesus said, for the remission of those sins. And you can know that just like the blind man received his sight, you yourself will receive the forgiveness of your sins. I wish that I had the power to impress upon you the importance of doing that. If you're a Christian, sin has invaded your life, and you need to make correction. We'll pray with you if you need to do that as well. Would you come while together we stand and sing?